0: Hello, and welcome to Embracing Diabetes, a podcast that explores the ways people are thriving with diabetes in the world. Today, Amy and I had a chance to talk to Julia Flaherty, the author and illustrator of Rosie Becomes a Warrior, a children's book series designed to empower children with type 1 diabetes to live their happiest lives. Julia has been living with type 1 diabetes since she was 10 and has been contributing to the diabetes space professionally for almost a decade while working as a marketer in various industries. She loves connecting with others touched by diabetes and discussing its complex effect on life. Through her work, Julia strives to be a source of empowerment and positive change while recognizing the challenges of life with diabetes. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: So, Julia, thank you so much for joining us on Embracing Diabetes today. We're so excited to have you here and as per our norm, we like to kick it off and have you share your diagnosis story with us. So can you can you tell us about that day?
2: Yeah, of course. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 10 years old. So I was in the fourth grade at the time, and my signs leading up to my diagnosis were like undetectable as they were happening. Cause like me and my family just didn't know what type one diabetes was until I was diagnosed. But when I looked back, I now understand all of these signs that I had being irritable and not acting quite like myself. There was a significant personality change because I went from being like this happy, joyful 10 year old girl to all of a sudden feeling like, I had no energy and I was losing weight, which we know is another sign of diabetes. I was getting up to go to the bathroom all the time, basically all of the classic signs of type 1 diabetes. Luckily, my doctor said that I was diagnosed pretty early in the onset of it. So I feel fortunate for that reason and for my parents for recognizing that something was off. I remember being a part of a junior achievement club. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I can't articulate all of the specifics very well anymore because it was so long ago. But what I remember of it was that you could basically be a mentee to a teacher. So what I got to do was shadow my guidance counselor and just help her with like little tasks around her room. And I did this with another student. And that student just noticed that something was off. And I thought that she was tattling on me for having an attitude. And now I look back and think it's pretty cute and pretty funny. And I'm grateful to her because she mentioned it to my guidance counselor, right? So not only did my parents notice, but this guidance counselor, this friend. So it was like all of these pieces falling together.
1: And wait, but hold on. She mentioned, do you remember what she mentioned? Did she just say, oh, Julie is going yeah. to the bathroom a lot or something?
2: No, she just said Julia is not acting like herself huh. or something like that. And I thought that she was... Yeah, tattling. complaining about me or, right. yeah, tattling about me. Because when you're a kid, you take that so personally. But as an adult, like I said, I'm really grateful. After I was diagnosed at that appointment, I was told I would be hospitalized, which was so scary. I remember being in that car and my sister asking my parents... Is Julia going to die? And I didn't know the answer either. I looked at them and I was like, Am I going to die? <laughs> I had no idea what was going to happen next. But I went to the hospital and they started explaining all about what type 1 diabetes is, what my life would look like, what limitations there were, and how my parents were going to be involved. So it was a very transformational moment. I'm sure. A lot of people with type one diabetes can echo that sentiment. I just sat your life on a whole new course. And did you have diabetes? Space.
0: <laughs> did you have? I mean, it didn't sound like your family had any history of type one diabetes, but mm-hmm. yeah, and that's and that's that's really the kind of most common scenarios. Most people don't have a real riddled family with type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. but did you have, were you able to connect with some community? Were you in a city? Were you in a space? Because back then we didn't have a lot of like internet, all the things that are right. available nowadays that can help create, even though that's available, people still don't utilize it enough, but just mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier.
2: Yeah, those are good questions. I remember being introduced to JDRF pretty, pretty early on because at that point they had the bag of hope. So that was like my first introduction into kind of the diabetes community. And I was too young to act on it myself and didn't really get more involved until I was a teenager and recognized, hey, I need some connections. I need some people to talk to. I need some people who get it, who aren't just my doctor, because the conversations you have with your doctor are so different than someone who lives with diabetes. You're just going to them for different things.
1: I was going to say too, Liz, I was going to see if you were about to ask this question, but um, what Liz and I, something that we have noticed with all of our interviews and conversations with people is um, it's really interesting to look at that moment when you were diagnosed, like how it was presented to you, how the doctor... communicated with you and your parents. And then once you went home with your parents, like how they, what was that experience like for you? Was it, did they say, this isn't going to stop you from doing anything? Or was it more of a, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Do you remember?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to remember what was told then versus as a teenager. I recall at 10 years old in the hospital, being told more about the limitations rather than the empowering things like, no, you've got this. You can do anything with your diabetes. Right. I think those kind of messages came a lot later in my life with diabetes. I remember being told like the classic things like you can't scuba dive. You can't be a marine biologist. You can't be a pilot. I remember feeling really afraid about whether or not I could eat sugar anymore. I took that very seriously for many years into my early life with type 1 diabetes. I'll say I avoided sweets completely. I didn't understand that they were okay so long as you knew how to dose for it. I was basically told I should only be eating apples as my source of dessert and just had a lot of fear around that and stuck to that completely. I'm glad that I know I can have Sweets now on occasion, but it's very interesting, and I think everyone's stories are a little different in that regard. What was it like
1: for you? Yeah, and I, what year you were ten? What year was that when you were diagnosed? It was
2: in January of two thousand
1: four. Okay. Yeah, same. I remember that fear too. But then, of course, I was having all kinds of sugar when my blood sugar dropped, and I was so right. I'd be excited. I'd be like, Oh yes, like I'm low. I can go. Yeah snickers or whatever. But yeah, I remember the fear of 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 low blood sugars, but also the, this fear that was instilled into me about high blood sugars. So yes. that that fear was pretty pretty powerful about those extremes, about avoiding those extremes. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: about you, Liz? You know, I was just going to say, I think we're better now at trying to prevent or kind of provide more balanced, less fear-based, because I hope a lot of people in the medical community have appreciate now that fear is not a great motivator. It usually doesn't lead to a lot of better behaviors. So it's trying to figure out that balance of, yeah. So I I don't think I was such a weirdo because I was in medical school and I was like so overwhelmed with stuff. I, I don't remember it being good or bad. I just remember the one thing I do remember was my diabetes educator telling me i had to carb count gum and i was like seriously oh my god gum <laughs> no cuz i was um. so meticulous and i was like such a perfectionist i was like oh yeah. my gosh this is going to be really hard but anyway I, but i don't remember but it is it, i don't remember a lot beyond that but i do think for so many people it really sets this foundation of injury and ptsd that people have around their diagnosis yeah. that anyway we could talk about that for for a long time, but yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I hear you.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So moving away from that initial period of time, how did you, you're a super creative person in your personal life and in your career, how did you get started in the creative, in the creative world? Did you start, were you drawing as a kid or tell us about that journey?
2: Yeah, I was always very drawn to the arts. I participated in every extracurricular related to the arts. I was involved in everything except sports when I was in high school. So from the musicals to plays to enrolling in art classes to being a part of the high school band and high school choir, I was always very enthralled by creativity. I think in many ways, when I look back, it was almost... Uh, a way to escape thinking about diabetes for a while. And that's not to say I ever neglected my diabetes because I don't think I reached that point in my experience with it. But I think we all know, need those moments of relief where we're just able to truly focus on fun. And in the arts, I was always having the most fun because I got to imagine and I got to be these different characters. And maybe I relished a little in playing characters who didn't have diabetes or writing about characters who didn't have diabetes and what their life would be. And to the contrary, maybe writing about characters with diabetes and who were living their best lives anyway. I think during my teenage years, I explored the other way a little more, but Mm -hmm. now as an adult, I write more about how to live our best lives while we're living with diabetes in the nonfiction and fiction spaces. So I'm happy that I can continue to be creative, not only in my free time, but my professional time as well. I feel very fortunate in that way.
1: And that fits hundred percent into my theory of writing being healing, but, and not only writing, but all forms of creativity as being healing. I think that's so important And, and, and interesting because that you talk about, Doing it yeah, talk about writing about non non-related non-diabetes related kinds of stories and then transitioning into that. And when like when do you think when did that transition when or why did that transition happen, do you think? Because then it became your professional career.
2: Oh, I know. Diabetes is like my whole world yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a teenager, I think I went through a period of really resenting the fact that I live with diabetes and I was going through diabetes burnout and I didn't know it. Like I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the phrase for it. I didn't feel like I had the person that I could talk to about that because I just felt like no one could understand what I was going through. So I think it took a lot of self-discovery and self-analyzation to really reach the point of, oh, this is why I'm feeling the way that I am. And actually, maybe it would help me a lot more to lean into the diabetes community rather than completely avoiding it because it just reminds me more about diabetes. I think I went through that mindset a lot. I'm always thinking about diabetes. If I participate too much in the diabetes space, if I have too many friends in the diabetes space, it'll just give me more time to think about diabetes and is that something I want. But When I started participating in diabetes spaces and diabetes communities, I actually found the opposite. I found it to be very healing, obviously, because people with diabetes truly understand it. And mentioning topics like that to them, they understood where I was coming from, which was also a relief. And I think another important part of that is that I thought, just because you have friends with diabetes means that's what you have to talk about. That's not the case. Sometimes you just want to be around people who Right. Get it and maybe have a quiet understanding. Like all of those friendships look different. So I think a lot of it just came down to being a teenager, just going through those tough times.
0: Did you have a particular community that was more often as people move through life, they have different groups that they connect with? Was there one like it when you were a teen versus now? Was there any sort of writer group or artistic community that was especially helpful?
2: Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I was always a part of like arts extracurriculars and I gravitated toward people in the arts. I loved like the creativity and problem solving that went into it and really cherished that time with my friends in those spaces. Uh, Now I'm definitely more part of the online diabetes community. And I think that's just a result of, you know, the digital world that we live in and living in the post pandemic era and having people spread out in different places. Now we can all work remotely. So I'm glad that there is a a central hub that exists for people to connect. I think you just have like different needs at different times in your life. And that's really filling my cup right now.
1: That's I like that. That's a great way to say it. Filling my cup.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So tell us about let's jump into the book, because really, that's that. I mean, we wanted to talk to you for all sorts of reasons, but you've written this
0: beautiful book. And, uh, illustrated, and, and pairing. illustrated. I mean, that is yeah. such a thing like oh, thank you. writers and <laughs> illustrators
2: so about that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
0: Doing both things. That's really
1: remarkable. Yeah. Thank thank you. <laughs> unbelievable. So tell us where you, where the idea came from when you came up with the idea and then walk us through your whole journey of creating this book.
2: Yeah, so I knew since childhood that writing a book is something that I always wanted to do. I was never quite sure what that looked like. And then I think the turning point for me really happened when COVID first hit the US and I just felt more isolated than ever, more disconnected than ever, and didn't really know how to get myself through it. I was always a person, I am a person who seeks answers from within and is very hyper aware of herself in that regard. And I thought, other people must feel like me. What answers can I share right now? What is the message that I want to give to the world, give to people in my community who might be struggling with the same stuff? So it took like many months into that for me to Finally, say, Hey, I want to do something creative. I can still do something creative. I can put it out there. We're in this digital world. And honestly, the idea for Rosie just struck me one night. I always remember the phrase, write about what I know about. I know a lot about diabetes. I know about my own diabetes story. I know about how I felt and what I wish I would have heard when I was a kid. And that is the message that I wanted to share. How are children feeling when they're diagnosed? What can I share with parents that helps them relate to their children to have more constructive conversations with their children so that they feel as empowered as possible early in their life with diabetes? Because that is something that I think came really late for me. And I think if it would have come sooner, I might have approached certain situations differently. I might have felt more motivated to approach things differently. So, I really wanted to be that source of positivity and optimism for people going through a really hard time. I think going through a type 1 diabetes diagnosis is one of the most difficult things that children and their parents can go through. And I think that thought also came forward with the COVID-19 pandemic, because it was another thing we had never experienced before. For a lot of families, type 1 diabetes is something that they've never experienced before. So... Lots going on there. (laughs) It's a little ramble, but that's essentially how it came about.
0: How did you pick the name Rosie?
2: Uh, that's a good question too. I guess it reminds me
1: of Rosie the Riveter. You know know that 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 famous.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Maybe there was like a subconscious thought I wasn't aware of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just didn't know if that was like a person, if that was any sort of relationship or person that was in your life that was. It's a great, it's a really, it's a sweet name. So I was just curious about Thank that. Yeah. And then you have, and then you've got the part one and the part two, right? Cause you just did the camp yeah. book, right? Mm-hmm. And how did you journey into that transition and what inspired the second part two? I wanted to
2: turn Rosie Becomes a Warrior into a series to cover different topics for kids that were relevant to their experiences. So when Diabetes Camp was presented to me, I was scared to go for reasons that I talked about earlier. Oh, I'll be thinking about diabetes more. But again, now looking back, I think if I would have participated in those camps, maybe I could have developed lifelong friendships with kids with diabetes. I could have gained new perspectives that I didn't know I needed And I think going to diabetes camp can be super scary, not only for kids, but their parents too, who might be in full control or the majority of control of their children's diabetes. So putting that control in a counselor's hand could be super scary. And through different interviews I've done with people in the community and stories I've heard, I wanted to share the message that like Hey the reality is it's okay for us to be worried it's okay for us to be scared but we can't let our fears dictate our choices so how can we work with those fears and take the step forward and experience great things like diabetes summer camp anyway i think that's an, an important theme that i want to carry through the rosie becomes a warrior books is facing the reality but finding empowerment anyway and i think that's just something we are always having to do in our lives with diabetes
1: I think that's so important because there's a big difference and and I try to say this to myself all the time now as an adult uh, there's a big difference between saying I don't care I'm doing it anyway and I'm doing it and I'm scared doing it and understanding the risks making that choice. I'm not articulating myself.
0: No, but I think that's a really good point. I think we talked about that with Dylan a little bit. Mm-hmm. We just had an interview with a, a filmmaker and he was talking about some of the choices that he had made. And we've had a lot of people who've made choices that you're like, whoa, right. that could be pretty dangerous. Right. And mm-hmm. going at it, in an informed, educated, empowered right. way, I think is really important. And it can be small things, too. Yeah. Diabetes camp isn't a small thing, but just there's lots of different right. opportunities. Yeah, and
2: that's important to recognize, too. Like small things like, oh, I'm really worried if I eat this dessert, I'm not going to be able totally. to tonight. But I really want that dessert. And it it's true. It's the small things and the big things for diabetes. Totally. Totally. And going
1: into it with your eyes open. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Exactly. You're
1: not saying I'm doing it anyway. You're going Mm -hmm. into it with your eyes open, aware of all of the consequences and. Yeah. Having intention.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think too, I hadn't, I was, I had a similar experience to you, Julia, because. I was diagnosed when I was 14, but I was yeah. like, I have no interest and in, I'm not going to a diabetes camp. And, but since then, and all the work that I've done in the diabetes space, I've met so many people who have talked about what an incredible experience it was for them. And I'm like, I now I look back and I I think I probably missed out and it probably would have been helpful. No. And just yeah. thinking about your book, I think it's, I would think that's a great kind of prep for kids going, then making the transition to college, Do, looking, yeah, at, exactly. looking at going to diabetes camp in a similar way. Is it yeah. Yeah. scary for the parents? Yes. Right. Taking a risk? Yes. But great prep for uh, additional transitions that are
0: totally coming your exactly. kids. Away.
2: Yeah. That's really the hope for me is that people can take the lessons of Rosie and apply it to these other Life experiences that they're encountering, and maybe even adults who are reading it, healing their inner child in a way and getting the words totally. that never heard with diabetes.
1: Totally, it's great. So, have you That's had because it's when the book just launched recently, right?
2: Or a couple has, It has launched in the past few years, so I think okay. Rosie's two years old now, okay. and then Rosie, the Type One diabetes warrior, goes to diabetes summer camp is. Mm-hmm. One year old. So they're still fairly fresh to the scene. Right.
0: Yeah. And what any plans for like part three or what's your next kind of um, idea of as a series?
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I don't want to say too much. Of more course. That. It's mostly... Finding the time to yeah, do this is it. A Not my full time job. job. This is a side gig so, for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's something that's really important to me and something I'm really passionate about. So I know it's gonna happen. I just don't know when it's gonna happen, but I hope people in the space are excited when I'm ready to Put
1: it out there. Oh yeah, that's awesome. You should have Rosie going through all the female stuff too. Rosie gets her period.
2: <laughs> Rosie goes on her first date. Yes, that would be amazing. The teen years. The teen years. Oh my gosh, that'd yeah. be so
0: good. <laughs> that's a pretty juicy time for yeah. sure. Yes,
2: yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and have you? Before we let you go, have you had? Now that the books are out in the world, have you had responses from people? Have you heard back from readers?
2: Yeah, I have. The power of the internet can be so amazing sometimes because not only am I reading the reviews on Amazon, but I'm having the opportunities to connect with people like yourselves in podcasts who are interested in the book and helping me spread the word. Uh, I've had the opportunity to share about why I was inspired to write it on different websites in the diabetes space. So I'm just so grateful it's been well received and has helped a lot of people from what I've heard and I'm just very grateful for those genuine responses and feedback. Yeah. It's been and a really
0: helpful, It's has I just was reading some of the reviews too and it's really, it's very touching, you know, how you've impacted people um, uh, who've read the book. It's really, it's really lovely. Oh, yeah, thank you. I
1: agree. <laughs> that m- it must make it all worthwhile, I would think. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, especially reading the comments from parents with young kids. There's one from someone named Tiana that really stands out to me and she talks about how she read it with her daughter and she cried reading through it and it just connected the dots for her and uh, that one just stays with me in my day-to-day. There's a TikTok uh, viral trend going around about what's your Roman empire as a woman. And when I think about what's my Roman empire with Rosie, it's that comment. And it reminds me about why I enjoy writing these children's books and why I do what I do. Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, That's beautiful. That's a perfect way to end. Yeah, it is a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Julia, for making time Mm -hmm. and putting your art out in the world and helping so many people with, with diabetes and families and kids. And I'm really appreciate all that.
1: We will, where can people find the book and we'll put all of that information in our show notes for people who want to get their hands on the book.
2: Yes. You can find the book primarily on Amazon, but if you look around the web and for other websites, it's available with other local and big retailers as well through the Kindle expanded distribution. You should- and on your
1: website and on your Instagram. And on my
2: website. Yes. yeah, Awesome.
1: Thank you so much. It was wonderful thank to meet me. you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Embracing Diabetes with your podcast hosts, Dr. Liz Stevens and myself, Amy Stockwell, and music by Noah Mortola. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe felt inspired or informed or less alone, or all of the above. Please follow Embracing Diabetes on all major podcast platforms and leave a comment, question, or review. Thanks again, we hope you'll come back for more.